Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll focus on security trends and what to expect in 2022 with two members of the RSP community who are experts on that topic. Mark Shellart is the Director of Digital Forensics and Incident Response at Forgenics, an RSP member who specializes in cybersecurity, digital forensics, and PCI compliance. Mark has worked in security since 1993, including time at Trustwave and Sickage. He's been with Forgenics for four years and recently presented at Retail Now, titled Incident Response, a plain English breakdown of what you should prepare for. Welcome, Mark. Glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, pleasure to see you and talk with you today. Our second guest is a familiar name to RSPA members and listeners to our podcast. Welcome back to the show, RSPA Security Advisor, Nathan Sweeney. Great to talk with you again, Nathan. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. So before we jump into the questions at hand, so I have to tell everybody, so at the RSPA board meeting right before retail now, Nathan and I sat next to each other. So we got to collaborate and commiserate. And so when we had lunch, so Nathan, if you remember this, our the wall behind us, it was a big window and it overlooked the buffet lunch that the Heartland folks yep. were having for their conference. If you remember, and they had, we didn't have brownies. This is like a first world problem. We didn't have brownies. They had brownies. And I said to Nathan, I wonder if I just walked down there with confidence, swiped the tray of brownies and came back up if anybody would stop me. And then Nathan, you told me a story about something that you did. This is security related uh, at a bank. I, if you're willing oh. to share that publicly, <laughs> can you share that with, with uh, our listeners and our viewers so they can know a little bit about your security background? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, well, as, as uh, part of our company, we do uh, penetration testing and different types of security assessments. And uh, we, we had a bank that wanted us to find out, you know, how far can somebody get physical access if they just kind of walk into the bank? And uh, so we uh, we we had a, a branch that was kind of a little bit further away from the rest of the branches, and it turned out that this was kind of their 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 backup, you know, disaster recovery place where they had backup offices and whatnot. And so there was basically an executive office in this branch. Uh, my coworker and I walked in. He kind of created a distraction. I walked upstairs and just started looking around, and I stumbled upon the CEO, the president of the banks. I don't know if it's president or CEO or both. Uh, his office. And um, his desktop computer was just sitting there and I didn't really have time to do much with it, but there was a laptop bag. And so, you know, it was a fairly small desktop. I just unhooked everything, threw it in the bag, walked out of the bank. I actually stopped and talked to a couple people on the way. I've got this bag with the CEO's, you know, computer in it and, and just walked out like, you know, just supposed to be there. Um, one of the things as I was walking past, somebody questioned me and said, you know, like, hey, can I help you? And I said, oh, yeah, I was, I was curious about these conference rooms. Do you guys rent these out to, you know, community groups that may be looking for something? And he's like, oh, I don't know. You'll have to talk to somebody. OK, OK, thanks a lot. You know, so just having a pretending to have a reason to be there, have confidence, walk right out. I'm still disappointed you didn't get the brownies. I was I was looking <laughs> forward to that. I, I was encouraging you, you know, go go get the tray of brownies. But. That is true. I was trying to do it under the, well, if I do steal them, it's not just so we could eat them. It's like a test of the security system. Like there was a higher purpose, but so Nathan, thanks for sharing that. So I have to ask you, Mark, have you ever stolen from a bank before like Nathan? Um, not physically, no, but digitally that kind of thing does happen. So just yeah. to, you, sometimes you just have to prove that point, but it's usually under, you know, do it properly, but it's, a, it's to teach the lesson the right way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You've got to to our listeners. You have to have a contract with the bank first in writing. Don't just Absolutely. walk in and say you were trying to test yes. test their security. So, yeah, all right. Well, to our 
two out of the three of us today have uh, <laughs> have stolen from banks before. So great start. Well, at least at least everybody knows you guys are on the front lines of security uh, for sure. I guess on on both lines of it as as well. So. Well, wonderful. Well, good gentlemen, so glad to have you here. And this is a special episode, not just because we're joined by uh, two security experts. This is a members-only episode, so everyone can listen to Mark's and Nathan's answers to our first few questions, but only RSP members will have access to the full episode. If you're not part of the association, you should be, because an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. So starting at just $250 a year, uh, you can receive all the benefits of an RSP membership, including this full interview. If you want to do that, membership at GoRSPA.org. That unlocks all the different benefits for you. Again, membership at GoRSPA.org. All right, so I'm curious to learn from both of you. First, what were the hot security topics at Retail Now? Since the RSPA's annual trade show was held July 25th through 27th uh, at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville that Nathan and I were just referring to the board meeting uh, that happened in advance. So, um, Mark, if you could take this one first, what did you hear from the VARs, the ISVs, and the vendors who you crossed paths with in Nashville? What did they talk about from a security standpoint? Yeah, good question, Jim. A, a lot of what we were seeing is people are finally getting to the point where we're going, okay, we've done all the the reactive work that we need to do, but what do we need to do proactively? How do we get in front of this in case something does break at that point? And that's part on what does their merchants need to do, their customers need to do, but also what do they need to do with their vendors, as well as from a legal and a contract point of view as well. It's what do we need to do to be ready for this when something does hit the fan at that point? Got it. And I guess, were you happy to hear that, that folks are now out of the reactionary mode? Because that's seemingly during the pandemic, people are just like throwing together security solutions as fast as they can because they kind of had to. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of mixed. It was great to hear people asking the questions, but you also had some other people that didn't know where to go with some of that information. They just didn't know, you know, I'm gobbling up as much information as I can to try and put something together, or they really have been read and they've researched. So it's great to be proactive as long as you're organized about it. If you're just kind of throwing things together, it can be a little bit creepy because you don't know where to start. So it was nice to have people in a room talking about what can we do together or what can we do to compare with each other to say, this is how we're going to prevent something in the future. Great, thank you. Nathan, what were you hearing? What did you hear uh, in the hallways uh, in the Expo Hall at Retail Now? Yeah, so a lot of the conversation was around some of the topics. We, you know, we were we intentionally kind of thought through like what topics would be valuable uh, because we don't want we don't want it to Retail Now to just be a, you know, it's not just a trade show, right? Like we try to intentionally find topics that are going to be interesting to the audience and then try to find speakers for those topics, not just, uh, you know, what does a vendor want to talk about? Uh, so, you know, we, we kind of had the the intro to security topic uh, that, that uh, is always fairly popular. A lot of folks are still just getting into security. A lot of we've, we've got a lot of new Retail Now members or uh, RSPA members that, uh, you know, maybe haven't heard us banging the security drum for several years. And so they're trying to say, hey, where do I start? Uh, you know, Mark talked about incident response and, and what that looks like. Uh, there was a, a really interesting topic on zero trust, which that's kind of a looking a little bit more towards the future. Uh, zero trust isn't, um, it's not something that's really big in, uh, intersecting the industry yet, but I think it's going to be something in the future as more and more vendors build out tooling and, and technologies that uh, encompass the zero trust model. Um, so there was a lot of conversation about that, about, okay, how does this apply to me and what does this look like and how do we kind of move forward with that? Uh, there was a, a gentleman did a talk on privacy and, you know, a lot of people kind of combine privacy and security, but there's some implications around privacy that stand on its own and, and that was really interesting um, and then you know like, like mark said on the floor a lot of people are just trying to say okay what is the next step for me where do i go from here 
Um, I, I've always I've always said that security is not a destination, it's a journey, right? Like you can't be secure, you can be more secure or less secure, but there's never there's never an end point. So it's always about trying to be better than yesterday. Um, so there's a lot of those kind of conversations and, and it was really good, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so you're saying like it wasn't like one thing that folks kept uh, you know talking about or you know bringing up to you. It's just a wide range. It kind of seems like the landscape of security in the retail IT channel right now. It's not one thing. It's a variety of things. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. If, if I had to say one thing, um, the probably the most common thing that I heard, and this is kind of related to 2021, is supply chain. How do we deal with situations where vendors have vulnerabilities and we have to deal with it? Um, Right before retail now, there was another Microsoft vulnerability, the Petite Potem uh, vulnerability. Uh, that came right after the print spooler issue that a lot of people knew about. Solar winds happened earlier in the year and there was all the, the hubbub around that. Uh, so a lot of people were asking, how do we prevent this, right? Like, how do we deal with stuff where it's our vendor that's caused the problem? Um, and that's a concern. That's, that's definitely a common issue that people were wanting to talk about. Got it. And before we, we move ahead, so Nathan brought up the uh, security check. We have four uh, at retail now, four security session breakouts. We had a total of six tracks, so 24 sessions. And I'm thrilled to say this might be the first time in trade show history from the survey feedback, not one person said, I heard sales pitches right from there. So, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with retail now, it's not just vendors getting up there saying like, let me show you a picture of our building. Let me tell you about our company history, right? And so we're really thrilled because that's something that uh, we aim for. And if folks are saying, wait, I missed it. When is retail now 2022? July 24th through 26th in Orlando. So looking forward to seeing uh, both of you back there again. So, all right, well, thanks for sharing that with me. So Nathan, I, I wanna ask you now as we're moving down the path. So I know you constantly promote the concept that solution providers need to stay ahead of the curve, just what kind of what Mark uh, referred to in terms of security. And so your retail now presentation was titled, staying one step ahead of the attackers. So how do you think VARs and ISVs are doing with that? You know, Mark talked about you'd love for them to be more proactive. Like, what's your honest assessment? Is it like way too reactionary at this point? So what, what's your take? And then I'm hoping Mark can answer that question as well in terms of how would you give the State of the Union for reactive versus proactive, how VARs and ISVs are behaving with security? Sure. I think it's better than it used to be. Uh, there's there's definitely progress that we can point to and we can see where a lot of uh, VARs and, and ISVs uh, have have figured out how to provide more secure offerings. Uh, we've been we've been talking about being a trusted advisor for a long time for several years now. We've been banging that drum, and I think people are are recognizing that and identifying that. Uh, one of the things that uh, is is always going to happen is is these VARs are going to have merchants that don't know what to do, and they're going to see something on the news, on the paper, and they're going to say who do I go to for help? And we've tried to present a situation where VARs and ISVs should be in a position to say, you know what, we are your trusted advisor. Like, we're gonna try to help you, guide you through this. When you have questions, contact us. Um, and, and a lot of people lean on me for that kind of stuff, right? As, as a RSPA member, they have questions, they call me and say, hey, my merchant's asking this thing, I don't know the answer, can you help? Um, and so that, that there's been significant improvement there. Um, there's a lot of folks that still don't really know where they're going yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of smaller uh, VARs that, you know, they've got 10 people and, and they basically buy this product and sell this product and don't really have a lot of expertise there in the middle. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of new RSPA members that are also still trying to figure this out, right? They're just catching up. Um, so definite progress made, but uh, there's, still, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think, in that, in that area. 
Mark, what would you add to that? What would be your assessment of VARs and ISVs in terms of how they are in terms of security being proactive enough or not? Um, I think a lot of them want to be, but I think one of the struggles that we run into a, a, with quite a few of them as well is it comes down to staffing, um, whether it's because of mergers and acquisitions or just in general of, of just fruition. You may have a VAR that has you know, 300 customers and then they buy into another company in a new region and they now have 600 customers, but they still only have five team members and they just, they want to do security, but when they have a new implementation to do or something big happens, security becomes something that goes to the background. So it's hard to stay on top of that when you have the ebbs and flows of business at that point, stay on top of security. So I think the desire's there, but if you're really tired from doing everything else and you're understaffed on something, it just goes to the back burner. And that's a real struggle that a lot of them have. And so what do you do? Like, it's hard to hire right now. What would you do if you were a reseller in ISV and you were understaffed? Is it a matter of, are there folks you can outsource it to? Is it leaning on your your vendors or do you just have to wait till you hire somebody? What's what's the outlet for them? I think part of it is, you're right, it's, it's hard to hire at this point to find someone who can also do it. But I think also cleaning up some of your, your old messes going, hey, if we've been using the same image to burn all, all of our, our point of sale terminals, you know, check with your team and see how they're building out and doing things. If you can build in some efficiencies that say, hey, when we build terminals, we want to be able to do it within an hour or do 16 of them at the same time. But you also want to, also want to make sure that your technicians aren't building with an image that's got a password from three years ago as well. So putting in some efficiencies and think up through it when you have the free time is the right way to look at it because a lot of times it's the uh, I'm going to build this out right now I'll go back and change the passwords later and later never happens so thinking about those things up front I mean everybody talks about security but thinking about it as you go into it is really the saving grace yeah I always remember when something was pushed into phase two like you know when does phase two happen like does it ever ever come around I want to ask a follow-up you said about you know the folks you're talking to they want to be more secure and I remember a period of time where it seemed like a lot of point-of-sale resellers were like I'm not messing with security because I don't want to be responsible but it seems like now it's shifting more towards them saying well I'm good I want to be that trusted advisor I will be negligent if something happens on a security standpoint to them I can't just say well I'm just a POS guy are you seeing the same way like that that has moved as well. And Nathan, I'll ask you uh, after we get Mark's response to that. Oh, I think a big part of this is, is PCI has actually seen a lot of this as well and said, you know, it's it's now a paperwork thing as well. If, if you're the outside vendor, you're responsible for saying and having in paper saying, you know what, my customer's in charge of this part of security and I'm in charge of this part. So whenever it comes to antivirus, maybe it's the outside tech company that does it, but whenever it comes to something else on site when it comes to security, it belongs to that customer at that point. So writing out who has which part of security not only takes care of it and reduces some of your liability, but it also makes them think about it going, man, I am on the hook to make sure that people don't plug in USB drives. Yeah, I am on the hook if something gets stolen and goes out the front door that you know I need to report that to someone. But at the same time, VARs have to think about, man, if we have a breach internally at our place, am I required to tell my customers and that kind of thing? So really writing down who's in charge of which part of security makes a big difference. And it gives you that opportunity to say, you know what, if you want us to do all your security, you're going to pay this premium price compared to what the basics are. So you can spell out what belongs to whom. Great. Nathan, what would you add to that? Yeah. So I remember the exact conversations you're talking about. Um, gosh, you know, 15 years or so ago, I worked for a, a VAR and uh, we had those same conversations when PCI was starting to get a little bit stricter um, of what level of responsibility do we want to take here? The more involved we are, how much liability are we taking? And I think a lot of that was fueled by some early lawsuits where merchants were compromised 
and uh, the the card brands encouraged them to sue their VAR and that kind of stuff. We're not. I, I think some of that has has just uh, calmed down over the years as we've as we've seen less of those types of lawsuits, and we've seen um, we've seen that that uh, those situations tend to respond better if the VARs are actively involved, if they know what's going on, and 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 they're involved in helping the merchant and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, I I think most VARs have, have turned that page of saying, okay, how can I try to help? How can I be a valuable asset in this situation instead of trying to make it a contentious situation where I walk away and I don't want to have any liability or responsibility. So, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good change. Yeah. And I can say, I, I only have anecdotal data on this, but I can remember folks who were like, I'm just a cash registered POS guy. I don't want to do all these things. And now it seems like everybody is fighting to be that total solution provider and the trusted advisor. And that seems healthier for their merchants and also healthier for those individual businesses, right? Because if you're only controlling one portion of it, you know, someone's going to uh, lean on somebody who's who's only one vendor for them. Well, let, let's yeah. pause here for a second. So if you like this episode of the pod, you're going to love the courses offered through the RSPA Academy Accelerate, the next generation of education for the retail IT channel. This online system offers continuous learning, training, and development opportunities anytime, anywhere from any device. Included in Accelerate are courses on malware and ransomware, passwords, email phishing, and also the entire security track from Retail Now 2021. For more information on RSPA Academy Accelerate, visit learn.gorspa.org. That's learn.gorspa.org. Also want to take a quick minute to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift 4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. That's membership at gorspa.org. So uh, next question, Mark, I'm hoping you can take this one. So we're talking about solution providers need to do more, but back to a point you raised earlier, like where should they start? And I know the answer would be, you know, really customized for each VAR or ISV, you know, when you're working directly with solution providers, but wh where should they typically start? Uh, what would be your take in terms of what would be the first step or two uh, for folks to really ramp up and beef up their security? Well, I think I'll split that into two categories. Let's do one old and one new to cover that. I think from an old point of view where we see a lot of problems still is cleaning up the old tools. So you may go into a, a location and say, you know what, we're going to use BombGuard or we're going to use this remote control tool, Screen Connect, to do all of our work. And it's great to say this is what we're going to use. We're going to do multi-factor in that. But the, you also turn back around and go, well, this, rest, this restaurant or this hotel or this gas station still has you know team viewer or log me in or one of the other ones as well because they have one other group that needs to come in and whether that's the old manager or the person that does the books you don't want to have that second back door that's there if you're gonna you know if you're gonna put a deadbolt on one back door but you have another door that's standing wide open it does no good so you need to take the time and say hey i'm going to put in this great tool but we've got to get rid of the old stuff as well and you need to sit down with that time with them with them and say this is why we need to make this change. And, and again, it comes down to time. It also takes down to a restaurant owner that goes, you know what? I need to worry about staffing. I need to worry about what my sauce tastes like tonight. I don't want to worry about security. Just do it for me. But they also don't want to be inconvenienced. So you've got that ever famous balance of inconvenience versus security as you go through that. If I look at the new stuff as well, though, you've also got to look at networks and say, hey, I've got a restaurant that has Wi-Fi. I have a network for customers to be able to do certain things. I have a back end. I may have three or four different network segments. And the point of sale is just a small portion of that as well. 
um, protecting that network with, with some of the newer technologies is something that you should probably look at as well. And, and I'll throw the, t the term, you know, EDR or endpoint security out there as well at that point saying, and, and vendor agnostic that point, it doesn't matter which tool, looking at something that will protect that one machine is critical because the attackers are literally jumping in through this computer, through the Wi-Fi, jumping through the jukebox in the bar to get to the point of sale system. We're seeing those hops happen and it's literally clicks for them to do it. It's not like what you saw in the movies where they had to type a whole bunch of code and make pretty things on the screen. It's easy for them to just click and move from one part of the network and pivot into another one. So security from an endpoint point of view is probably something that you need. If you don't control the entire network, endpoint is probably something that you should look into. Got it. And can I just ask a follow-up to that? Because I remember talking to Var a few years ago. He's like, you know, people talk about security. I don't know anybody who's gone out of business from a security standpoint. Like, is it really damaging or is it just all this hype, you know, that people, you know, we say we should watch out for just like we should exercise more. Can you add any color to that? What would you say to a skeptical reseller who's listening to this and going, I want to focus on other things and, you know, I will save security for phase two, which I never get to. Out of all the gray hair that's come with from doing so many breaches out of all this time, I've only seen three businesses actually go out of business because of it. Two of them were restaurants, but they were holding on in the first place on the very edge, one being a pizza place. And he was already paying his staff with his credit card and that kind of thing. So he was on the edge and when he did it, it was just the last straw that broke him. It didn't break him financially. It was just, he was done. But we did see another VAR who also said, you know what, I can't take this anymore. It's ruining my health. I just had this breach. I can't handle it. I can't face my customers and go through this. And he was a little bit older and it was just new to him and he just couldn't take it. And he literally closed his doors and moved back to the country he came from. He says, I just can't take it. I've got to get out of the business. So I have seen a VAR go out of business because of a data breach, but it was stress that did it, not from a financial point of view, but I'm sure it would have been financial as well. Got it. Yeah, nobody welcomes this either, right? Nobody goes through one of these breaches and we're like, that was great for my business, right? Because there's the opportunity cost as well uh, when you have to focus on that. So, well, thanks for sharing those stories. Uh, Nathan, the VARs and ISVs that you talk with, where do they typically need to start? Yeah, first I want to comment on on something Mark said real right there. Or um, you know, it's not necessarily going out of business. Business we always try to set up like you know, well, I don't want to do this because what's the likelihood of this horrible thing happening? Maybe that horrible thing doesn't happen, but there's a lot of other horrible things that can happen in between here and there. And uh, you know, I, I think Mark would attest to this too. Nobody that I know that has gone through a breach looks back and says, "Oh, that wasn't so bad," right? Like. <laughs> every one of them says this sucks like all of this resources wasted all of this time wasted that i could be doing other stuff um it, it's a it's an extremely stressful and extremely expensive situation so even if you don't go out of business there's a lot of opportunity cost there that's just lost and um yeah nobody looks forward to that so um hopefully hopefully we don't still have those skeptical people that are saying hey it's not worth doing anything at all um most folks i think m most of the bars that i talk with are trying to figure out what's an appropriate level for me, right? Like, like I can't do everything, but I don't want to do nothing. So where do I find that balance? Um, as far as where do they start? I usually recommend, you know, start with your vendors. Uh, one of the things that we've seen, I'd say probably over the last decade, is the vendors have done a much better job of understanding the security implementation or security implications of their tools and how they work together and how they work in the environment. Um, it, it's hard to find a vendor nowadays uh, that is not providing a, a POS solution that doesn't have, um, you know, some kind of security configuration recommendations. And part of that is PCI. You know, PCI has driven a lot of the, you know, if you're using this payment application, it's got to be configured in these certain ways. Um, but 
almost every, at least the larger vendors in the payment application space and the payments space and all that, uh, they have people on staff that can help answer questions about this or that, or what if, you know, what if we're implementing this, or what if the merchant wants to do that? Uh, so that's a great place to start is understanding the tools that you're using, the, the products that you're selling, work with those vendors to find out, okay, what, what can you offer me? How can you help here? Um, and then the, the next thing, the next phase I think is for folks to step back and say, okay, what are possible attacks? And a lot of people won't maybe have the expertise to, to consider everything, but most people can sit around and think, oh, you know, what if somebody does this? What if somebody does that? You know, Mark gave the example of using an old image or something like that. I guarantee you, if you sit there and think long enough, you're going to, hey, this is how we do this. What if somebody gets access to that? What if we have a former employee that is disgruntled and he goes and does this? And, you know, um, I'll be honest, most companies have some pretty creative technical folks that if you, you know, buy a pizza one day and sit around a table and say, all right, throw it at me. What are the worst attacks you can come up with? What are, you know, if somebody wanted to put me out of business, how would you do it? Um, your people can probably think that through. And so, you know, get out a spreadsheet and start making a list and then just say, okay, how do we deal with that, right? Are there a lot of cases, there's really easy mitigations and you can say, we can put this in place and prevent that and this. Others, you're gonna say, I don't have a, I don't have a clue. I don't know, maybe we need to call Nathan and get some ideas or, uh, you know, whoever else we have that we can lean on as a trusted advisor. Um, and, and, and there's gonna be sometimes, especially for small businesses, where you're like, you know what, this is a risk of doing this thing, right? This is a business cost there's nothing we can do to fix it. Um, there might be some some potential mitigations we can put in place to limit the impact if it's if, a, if there's a breach of some kind, but we're just gonna recognize this as a risk and we're gonna accept that as part of our business practices. Um, and and a, lot of people, a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna stick my head in the sand. I don't know what to do. I don't know how bad it is. I, I don't know how to get the answers. So I'm just not gonna, I'm not even gonna think about it. And that's the wrong answer, right? You've got to think through um, at least knowing what risk you're accepting because that's going to influence other decisions you make along the way. Yeah, not getting the blood work done doesn't mean that everything's going on okay inside <laughs> of your body, right? So it's not like la la la, I'm not gonna not gonna pay attention to it. And I just oh, want to. I got I got to tell a story on that. I'm sorry. Please, when I was when I was in college, uh, I, I hated needles, couldn't stand needles, you know, blah blah blah. Um, and I found out that they would give you a free T-shirt if you gave blood. And so as a, as a young college guy, I did the math and I'm like, all right, if I give blood six times a year, four years, 24 shirts, that's, that's like two and a half weeks of extra laundry I don't have to do. So, it, you know, priorities, right? Um, and the o OBI, the Oklahoma Blood Institute here in Oklahoma that does that, every, like about a week after you give blood, they would send you a letter that says, you know, here's what we found and blah, blah, blah. And here's your uh, uh, cholesterol levels. And my cholesterol levels were always just right over that. Like they weren't bad, but they were in that like yellow area where, and they would say something like, you know, if, if uh, this could be a coincidence, it could be based on your food or whatever. If this is the first time you've seen this, no big deal. But if you see this on consecutive reports, you should talk to a doctor. And so me being a smart college guy, my solution was just to throw away every other report. Every other one I got, I just threw it in them and I never saw it on consecutive reports. So I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't open the envelope, put it right through the shredder so you're never gonna never gonna exactly. get that bad news. All right. Just I feel like I have to say that is not uh, endorsed by the RSPA. <laughs> it's not recommended. We are not we are not medical doctors. Yeah. No. 
But the one thing I will wholeheartedly endorse that uh, that Nathan said is leaning on your vendors, leaning on your distributors, leaning on the RSPA, right? If you're a member, you can have unlimited access calling up uh, Nathan and bouncing uh, questions off you. And I'm sure, Mark, you'd be happy to talk to, to folks as well, right? Like, we're here to help. Right. Uh, you know, yep. as, uh, Paul Constantine from ScanSource once said, you know, what do uh, vendors want from VARs? We just want you all to sell more. Right. And so they're they're happy to help any any way that we can. Let me ask you uh, before I go on to my next question. Do you get a lot of those inbound calls, Mark? Do you get a lot of folks just like, hey, can you help me out with this? Or do you think a lot of people are just trying to still trying to figure it out on their own because they're entrepreneurs, they're self-starters? We do get a lot of calls, but a lot of times, unfortunately, it's too late. It's like something just happened and it's bad. And that's usually it's usually Friday afternoons that it happens or over the weekend. So when you said, would we take the calls? The answer is yes, we take them around the clock. Um, but sadly for us, a lot of times it's the, hey, the house is already on fire. It's not, hey, you know, the smoke detector's beeping. What should we do about it? Or we think we just clicked on a link. It's usually too late. We would love to get more of those calls of talking things through with people going, hey, we've got a we've got a vendor problem. Should we do X or Y? And we can say, well, most people do X, so we won't tell you why, but this is, you know, won't tell you why. Um, we'll <laughs> do X for, for this certain reason, and this is why it's better at that point. So we'd love to be able to help out best we could. Don, going back to Nathan's analogy, you call when you say, Doc, what does my blood work mean? What can I do to make this better? As opposed to I've fallen and I can't get up, right? At that point, it's kind of late uh, for, for the help that, that you really want. So, all right. So we want to look ahead to 2022. But before we do that, so we're recording this episode near the end of Q3 2021. Mark, if you can go first, I'm curious, what surprised you the most this year in 2021 from a security standpoint? I think the the one that hit us the biggest was um, as security is getting better, we're seeing the attackers doing even more sneaky things to stay in. I mean, we see them hunker down. We see them sell their credit card data in different ways, saying I'll sell a little bit from this front and a little bit from this hotel. So we're seeing the attackers evolve. But the 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 mod pipe malware that came out this year, M-O-D-P-I-P-E, um, it's something that was targeted towards Oracle and hit about the same time that Solar Winds came out. But it was just amazing to us how this malware was so elaborate compared to others. Um, and, and the reason I say that is we actually had some antivirus vendors out there go, hey, we saw this malware, we detected it, which is great, but it doesn't seem to be stealing credit card data. And then a few months later, a few of us started discovering that, hey, this malware actually goes and downloads another portion, stays in memory, and does some really sneaky credit card things. So it was amazing to see how elaborate the attackers are getting to do things. And I don't want to scare everybody on the call, but at the same time, it's pretty creepy what the other side's doing. Yeah, the more you dive into security, the scarier it gets and the more you have to be proactive. Nathan, what surprised you uh, in 2021? So, you know, this has been a pretty big year of change uh, as far as over the last year we've seen a, a presidential administration change and we saw the in the midst of that the solar winds thing come out we found out that some some bad guys got into really all of our largest companies and and uh, government agencies um, one of the things that I think I didn't I, I, I've been kind of banging the drum about supply chain the idea of you know where does your software come from uh, the libraries that are used the third parties you depend on uh, I've been saying for years that this is a big problem. We have this kind of big pyramid and the base is crumbling and we don't really have control over it. And so all of these technologies we've built are going to be a problem at some point, right? If, if attackers are really trying the way we know they are, uh, they're going to latch onto this. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that. It, it kind of surprised me how quickly everybody woke up to that, right? The solar winds was a big, huge thing that everybody just said, oh, wow, this is a big problem and we got to deal with it. 
Um, the reason I mentioned the presidential administration is because we saw early on in 2021, President Biden put out an executive order on cybersecurity. And, you know, when the, in the, in the previous uh, Republican-controlled Congress, there was not a lot of appetite for more regulation. Uh, in fact, it was the opposite. You know, the conservatives tend to, to shy away from more regulation. Um, and so there's been this concern about what are we doing at the federal level while each individual state is trying to do their own thing about privacy or security, and we see these, these patch meal uh, sections of, of security regulations, uh, it seems like there's a lot more appetite at the federal level for that type of stuff. And, and uh, you know, President Biden has, uh, after that first executive order, there was another meeting where he met with um, the heads of, I don't remember, Google and Amazon and Facebook and Microsoft and all those, and basically said, okay, what are we going to do do about this? And and this was just a few months ago. They they all contributed or, or, or committed to spending billions of dollars on, on various aspects of developing technology and, and awareness training and different things like that. Um, so I, I've been really, I, I guess, a little bit reservedly impressed with the fact that we're actually making some progress there at the federal level. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see where that goes, but it's good to see people paying attention to here's this big problem and, and we've got to do something about it. Got it. Thank you. Well, for my next question, I want to look ahead to 2022, but your answers to that question and a few others will be for RSP members only. So again, to receive all the benefits of RSP membership, email membership at gorspa.org. If you're already a member, go to the RSP website, log in and visit the on-demand section of RSPA Academy Accelerate.